Thanks for joining us for Faith Meets Mental Health with our host, Kim Boswell, the Alabama Commissioner of Mental Health. If you have any questions for our host, you can always email mentalhealth@fraser.church. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. In this uh, episode, we'll talk about uh, why would a Christian need counseling, Pastor Chris? <laughs> Why would a Christian need counseling? Um, my, it's interesting. My response to that question is, why wouldn't they need counseling? Um, you know, as we said last time, we're humans, um, and not only are we humans, we we briefly admitted that there's been this history where this has been a taboo topic in the church, which just raises the need for the question. Um, I, I would put it this way: uh, everybody receives. Uh, and gives counsel. Everybody does. Uh, there is um, there is no one that I know of ever who has never asked for counsel from someone or advice or question, whatever you want to call it, uh, from someone else and then gotten an answer that they then apply to their life. Uh, and so it, it, the same is true when it comes to our, our mental health. For, for example, my wife loves to cook. Matter of fact, cooking is her hobby. She's really good at it. And every now and then, we'll go over to somebody's house, we'll eat a particular dish or whatever, and she will ask about the recipe, about how they made it, and all that stuff. Now, has my wife ever cooked before? Yes, of course. Has she cooked similar dishes to that one before? Absolutely. But she's still getting counsel on how to cook that particular dish. And so whenever I think about counseling... That's, you know, my mind kind of goes there of that when it comes to our mental health, what we're saying is I've never done this thing or processed this issue or whatever it is um, in this particular way, in my context now, knowing what I know now, and I need someone to help me understand that. Exactly. You know, I know in my own experience, um, you know, sort of went along life thinking everything was great and wonderful, had it all together and uh, went through a divorce and, and realized that, yeah, there might be a few things that I needed to process mm-hmm. uh, and spent a fair amount of time in uh, both individual counseling and group counseling. Mm-hmm. And then many years down the road, um, really all of a sudden just had a a really hard time couldn't quite figure out what was going on there were some things that happened uh long story short uh realized that you know i did have some ptsd that wound up getting triggered uh that sent me kind of off in uh down a rabbit hole a little bit uh, because i was like really i've done all this counseling i've you know i've (laughs) done all these things how can i be in this spot you know um and so it was really interesting that even after you know thinking that i had identified the issues uh that i needed to address um i really had missed some things related to just trauma that had happened early on and didn't realize that you know a particular event had uh, triggered an episode of ptsd that i had a lot of trouble working my way out of and so sometimes particularly when it comes to trauma um you know if you haven't had a trigger or you haven't been around maybe the person that you know 
you were traumatized by, uh, you can really be going along in life and doing just fine for many, many years mm-hmm. and not realize that there's some things that you really haven't processed and they're not you know, necessarily those things that we look at as sort of a classic mental health diagnosis of anxiety or depression, but just really uh, often finding ways to cope other than those ways that are really healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a good friend of mine, you know, her husband had a really traumatic childhood, but had, you know, really been very successful as an adult. And then all of a sudden, a trigger and he's off into addiction that he had never had before and so you know you really can't sometimes you think you can get past some of those issues and that you know you've been successful and it's not uh, gonna have an impact and then all of a sudden you know one event one death of a family member or something triggers it and it's so important for people to find a way to be able to process that and to move through it yeah. in a meaningful way. Um, I laugh because I have some young people who work for me. <laughs> and it's funny because they don't think twice about going to see a counselor. Mm-hmm. Like they're in that 30-year-old group. Mm-hmm. And they sit around and talk about, well, yeah, I'm going to see my counselor this week. Like it is such a norm for them. Mm-hmm because they see the value in it you know to have someone that really is going to give you wise counsel and is going to talk to you about the things that are that you're struggling with they just see it as a really efficient way of working through problems yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely and in, in many ways you know this uh you know some of that age group that you're talking about there they really embody what is a central theme in within the biblical community uh you know it's proverbs eleven fourteen that says where no counsel is the people fall but in a multitude of counselors there's safety and again in the church sometimes we try to apply that to you know i need good coaches or advisors or something like that but uh but it, it's speaking to who we are as a whole person and i've always thought of that you know multitude of counselors as being you, you need multiple kind of lenses or camera angles looking at different aspects of your life you know uh, as you were saying things can stay dormant for a long time Mm -hmm. and then people can help you see things going on from different angles that you can't see i mean we can't step outside ourselves and look within and so um, that that safety that comes there that help that comes there from having you know uh, different voices that are trusted and respected of course uh, looking into our lives, speaking into our lives, that is something that's at the core of who Christians are. And I would even say it's normative Christian practice. It is Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so um, we just have to, and I think the younger generation is doing a better job of it, but give ourselves permission to really do that uh, with one another. And I think the more that we educate people about their mental health, um, the more, and you know, really it's, as I tell people, maybe the only positive thing that came out of COVID is that there's this whole conversation about mental health that Mm -hmm. we began Mm -hmm. to have that we've never been able to have before. I mean, you know, and I've worked for the department for many years, the Department of Mental Health, and 
you know, there were a lot of years when nobody wanted to have a conversation with us about mental health because mm-hmm. it was sort of this stigma around mental health. And so COVID really did open up that conversation uh, so that people began to become aware of their mental health because, as you know, COVID challenged everyone's mental health. Yep. You know, no yep. one was immune from mm-hmm. uh, the stress that was involved in COVID. And so I think, you know, being able, the more we talk about mental health and what mental health is and helping people identify those emotions and how to help regulate those emotions. You know, I remember doing a presentation to uh, the Blackburn Institute at the University of Alabama, and a young woman was sharing that, you know, once she hit college, she uh, developed an anxiety disorder. She said, but, you know, now that I know what it is, Hmm. I realized that at nine years old, I was an anxious kid, but I just thought everybody felt that way. Hmm. I didn't know that I was having anxiety because I really didn't have words for it. Yeah. And so it took her, it was sort of like by the time she hit college and the extra added stress of college, you know, prompted her to seek counseling. And then she had a name for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's anxiety yeah. yep. and, and anxiety can be dealt with. And we know really that, you know, by age 14, 50% of mental health issues are going to show up and 75% by the time someone is 24. Mm -hmm. And so really being able to talk about mental health and to help people identify their feelings and, and be able to understand how their emotions work is probably one of the most important things in my very biased opinion we could do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think it's biased at all. I think it's really, uh, really discerning where we are today and the conversation that that needs to be had on a much larger scale yeah it's um you know it was interesting we've been very fortunate over the last few years to receive additional funding for mental health services in alabama Uh, but really what happened and i tell people this we could not have orchestrated any of that Hmm. Um, we had members of the legislature that had family members or friends who had experienced traumatic uh, issues with their mental health. Uh, We had a governor who's deeply committed to the mental health issue. Um, And I just feel like God just absolutely orchestrated all of that Mm. uh, to really do the things that we had been wanting to do for many years. Uh, But when you look at it, it's like, None of us could have planned that. None of us could have made all that happen independently. Mm-hmm. It really took, honestly, people who were Christians who felt strongly about the issue. If mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's just kind of my observation because yeah. I've been around a little while and yeah. I've seen it uh, when it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's pretty easy for me to look at it and say there was some divine intervention there. That Mm -hmm. didn't just happen by chance. Um, But it was a collective group of people who really, truly had a heart for the mental health issue. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the more ways that church can come alongside uh, and and not, not replace the role of the mental health professionals, we come alongside and uh, support and advocate for that and 
and even be a conduit, uh, I think the the healthier we'll all be and we'll get. And uh, and I just think that the church, uh, whatever the past has been around these kind of conversations and dividing walls that are there, there there has to be more bridges built between the two communities because they're 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 interlocked, you know, more so than what we probably have admitted in the past. And I know that's just uh, one of the things that we've been working on really as a department is really to figure out where people are showing up, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's they're showing up at church and they're having a conversation with their pastor, whether it's a mom and kid showing up in the pediatrician's office, you know, Mm -hmm. so that we want to do work with pediatricians. Uh, but the church is such a huge, huge uh, place where people show up and do seek advice mm-hmm. uh, from their pastor. Again, it's back to the trust issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the trusted advisor. And to the gr- degree that we can help people seek that counseling mm-hmm. if they need it, uh, is such a great way to uh, really improve physical health, mental health, and spiritual mm-hmm. health for this community. And yeah. I, I think that's just an absolute um, joy to be a part of that uh, as a Fraser member and certainly as the commissioner in the Department of Mental Health. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget, if you have any questions that you would like to be discussed on an upcoming episode, you can always email mentalhealth@fraser.church. Also, you can view video of our episodes on fraser.church slash videos or on youtube.com slash Fraser Church. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Holy.